Hey nerdlings, this is Sarah Ashley. If I may interrupt your podcast listening for just a minute, I would really like to talk to you guys about Nerdonomy.com. That's our website. If you guys haven't been to it already, you should really go check it out. We have a page where you can just meet the nerds. We have a blog where we have all of our original content that we write when we're not recording. And we also have listener feedback. So if you guys really want to go ahead and talk to us, see what we have to offer, or even maybe make a nice healthy donation at our merch station, then you can please do so at Nerdonomy.com. All right, and now enjoy your podcast. You're listening to Nerds on Film with Sarah Ashley, Kevin Satorius, Brian Moriarty, and Sean Moriarty. First off, this is... uh, Welcome back. Oh, thanks. Thanks. It's going to be fun. Holy shit, is that Dave? It is me. Awesome. Yeah. I thought Dave, I come... we miss you, Dave. I miss you guys, too. I've been listening. Uh, I've been jerking off to your picture, Dave. Thank you. You know what I find really bizarre is <laughs> you've only been gone for like a couple of weeks, and yet you've already grown like a six-foot-long beard. Where have you been? You don't want to know. <laughs> you don't Did you want wander to know. into the TARDIS thinking it was a shitter again, Dave? <laughs> Look, what I do in the TARDIS is what I do in the TARDIS. What happens in the TARDIS stays in the TARDIS. You Until need to Eric get comes uh, in. that poster up in the nerd cave right <laughs> that now. Would, right? That would be exciting. That would be really fun. <laughs> um, no, it's been good. It's been great. Uh, your guys' episodes have been amazing. I loved your... Um, what was last week's episode? Wizard of Oz. Oh, the Wizard of remember. Oz. Uh, yeah, a lot of rave reviews, actually. And super special shout-out to Jill. Thank yeah. you very, very Jill much for Jill was awesome. Thank you, Jill, for she more was. than filling my shoes while I was gone for a week. She was really, really awesome. and She was um, super fun to listen to. And we've had some actually positive feedback from listeners and stuff. So it was a great episode. And she balances us out and keeps us on track. So I appreciate I'm just, that. <laughs> I'm just saying, if we had more estrogen on the on the panel, I would not be offended. No, I think no, that that'd it, be it's cool. A great, I, think it's a, I think she should definitely be a recurring. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm totally down for, for more nerd chicks to come hang out. Yeah. You know what that means, Sean? They're not going to have pillow fights. No. I know. Yeah. That's just a male fantasy. I know. No, so any we don't, of you we don't uh, do prepubescent pil- teenage boys that are listening, I hate to burst your bubble, but pillow fights when they're undies and with pudding and, and, and or mud does not happen. No, we just practice making out. Even better. <laughs> <laughs> um, so a question I had for you guys. Um, we're all of uh, graduated from the high school era, and I think for the majority of us. Um, Could you have phrased that any weirder? <laughs> yeah. You want me to? I can. Let me let me let me say that again. We all went to high school planetarium Wreckville. <laughs> yes. We all, all of us went, went to high, high school. school. Yes. <laughs> we all feel things. <laughs> Some of us more than others. Um, but no, I just felt like, you know, we all we each had our own individual experience with high school, but the one thing that kind of unifies us, at least I feel, is that we all love the 80s, at least in our group, right? We all have some sort of a connection to the 80s. So it got me thinking, what would be the best 80s high school to be in? Any high school with John Cusack. Of course. That is my answer. I feel like Sarah would have a restraining order on her from John Cusack. I just to... like and you just imagine all these like movies where John Cusack's in high school and then I'm just lurking in the background staring at him. They could digitally put John Cusack in every movie that takes place during high school. 
We just mm-hmm. need someone to get the legislation put through to make <laughs> them do it. Yes, legislation. It should be a law that <laughs> any be high a school law. movie... That John Cusack must be digitally put into the background of every high school movie. <laughs> and every high school reunion movie, too. Yes. Yep, and just age him a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> if, they, if they could make Ian McKellen and Patrick Stewart look <laughs> well, like they were 40... Yeah. I think they just, they have, can do it. <laughs> they just have to take him from uh, Gross Point Blank. That was a high school reunion. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, yeah. So there you go. Yep. Done. That's true. So you You're want- welcome, America. <laughs> Somebody get on that with your computer All right, so, fangled so what internet high school? connected thingamabob. From the 80s high school. Yeah. yeah. I want to go to the high school from Teen Wolf. D- is it because you want to go to school with a Teen Wolf or that you want yeah, to be I, the Teen Wolf? I, no, because I'm pretty much Styles in that movie. Okay. And I was like, I could just move in, take his place, and be- befriend Michael J. Fox so I can have the best friend that's the werewolf. Okay, alright. That's that's pretty rad. Because that think? means I get to surf on top of the van, too. Oh, yes. Well, and that's just fun. And yes. only remotely dangerous. I would choose uh, the high school of the Breakfast Club. Okay. And here's why. Alright. Because that was the first introduction for me into um, 80s high school Brat Pack films. And I just, I just really identified with the separation of classes because I watched it when I was in high school, and there was, it was nice to see that even then there was that separation of, you know, the popular kids and the jocks and the existential kids who, and the, the new smart kids. And granted, I don't think it was as defined at least when I was in high school as it was back in the eighties. Well, and no, it back was exaggerated a little bit. Well, yeah. I mean, what they're yeah. saying is, is those were, you know, sp- some very specific types, but you know, they all blended. Right. So well, that I'm was the message saying. of the movie. But right. so you want to be at that one? Uh, you know, I'm surprised that we we haven't said Ridgemont High yet. Like, oh mm-hmm. yeah, that's true. Because I mean, if you go to Ridgemont, you get to see Phoebe Cates fillet a carrot. Yep. <laughs> I mean, also you apparently have access to tickets for every event from the shady Italian dude. <laughs> Yeah, so there you go. And yeah, guys, I don't know about you. I didn't have that guy in high school who's like, hey, you know, want some concert tickets? But <laughs> <Why laughs> sure, kids were selling Travolta. drugs and stuff, but there, I never, there was never a guy in a cool selling jacket tickets. selling that's true. tickets. That's to very true. I never had concert. somebody. You know, that's kind of a bummer. I wish I had that in high school. Yeah, right. That would be really cool. I know. <laughs> and be like, hey, I man, feel like I, I was some... lied to by Cameron Crow. <laughs> I got some meth and I got some pot and oh look, I got some, I got some concert tickets. You want those? Yeah, I'm gonna go the straight route. <laughs> I'll take the tickets. You keep the mess. I got the everything, pot. man. I got everything. I got Wu Tang Clan. I got the Wiggles. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, I very know you got broad spectrum. I know you got a nephew or a niece who wants to see the Wiggles. <laughs> uh, Sarah, where? What high school do you want to go to? Um, you know, let me think. <laughs> like I said, anyone that John Cusack's in. Um, I don't, you know, this is really hard because I just feel like a lot of the 80s high schools are kind of the same. Um, with the yeah. exception of the Pretty in Pink one. I don't want to go to that one. Just because that's, they're, they have the class separation and it's just really accosting. I don't like it. Well, uh, jo- all the John Hughes movies take place in the same town and supposedly the same high school. So yeah, all those yeah. movies, that is one high school. And there's, you know, what, three different versions of Molly Ringwald then? Yeah, I know. That would yeah. be crazy. That's the high school we should all go to where every single John Hughes movie character is just we go floating to around high. the high school. Um, you know, maybe I probably would want to go to the one in Ferris Bueller's Day Off then. You know, just Ooh. just because I think I um, 
you know, if I can't get John, if I can't get uh, John Cusack, then I can go for Cameron. So there's mm. that. That's very true. You want to date the my... guy who just like lays in bed with suicidal thoughts? He was cute. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind the fact that he's like so unstable that he should but go he see somebody. He has a revelation at the end when he destroys his dad's car. Does he really? Sure. Okay. A beautiful piece of machinery, by the way. I don't feel like it was worth it to sacrifice no, that for no, his awakening. For, right? revel- for like a little minor revelation of him. Yeah. Maybe I can. Maybe I can live my life. His dad didn't even drive it. He just Actually, rubbed it with a he, diaper. No, no, <laughs> I no. I want to go to that high school because of um, the engaging and intellectual teachers. Bueller. <laughs> Bueller. You want to have Ben Stein as a teacher? Yeah, dude, I would totally have Ben Stein as a teacher. That would be in a effort. It would be to the best class nap. E. Ever. The, the, anyone? 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 Polly Smoot Tariff Act of the, anyone? <laughs> I'm fairly certain I had a teacher. I don't think I said that right. No, I don't remember okay. history class. I'm, I'm fairly Eric certain. Eric or I Brian, had. please mail in and correct me. <laughs> you can reach Sean at his balls to the walls at yourmom.com. <laughs> With that, welcome to Nerds on Film. I'm Sarah Ashley. I'm Sean Moriarty. And I'm Dave McGuire. What's up, everybody? Back for a visit. Yes, I am. We're Um, so happy to have you back, Dave. We miss you, man. Yeah, but hey. We know you're busy. Like I said, I've been listening to the the episodes, and your Great Gatsby episode was hilarious. I thought that one was so fun. I had so much fun recording that episode. Oh, you could tell. As a, as a, <laughs> it was pretty as, apparent. As, no, that's what's so great is that listening to the episodes, right? Not to say we didn't have fun before, but there's definitely an apparent level of fun that is just oozing out of the recordings that yeah. I that I'm listening to. So it's like I'm there, and I and I find myself now that I'm listening and not participating as much, shouting at the iPhone of which I am listening to the iPod or to the to the podcast with my opinions. So every time someone says something, I'd be like, "No, that's wrong. That's stupid." Or which is a recurring theme on yeah. on film. Oh, opinions so now David thinks the opinions are wrong. Well, no, no. no. Or, or when you guys like uh, when you guys mention like a, an obscure movie or something, you go, "Oh, I think that person was up there." I'm like, "Huh? Huh? I know that answer. I know that answer. That person was in this." <laughs> but uh, needless to say, you can't hear me a week uh, in the future. Uh, no, and it was also your choice to leave, David. I understand. Whoa, hey. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> I'm sorry. You guys wanted to make videos and shit. Yeah, whatever. But that doesn't mean you have to stop recording. Come back. I miss you. Yeah, this I miss is you me too, David. Angry. Even though I get to see all your hilarious texts. Yeah. That's very true. A lot of and read texts. your blogs. Yeah. Which... They're really freaking good. The uh, the yeah. second date three ten to Yuma one was, was awesome. really really good. I so. had a lot of fun with that one. Yeah, it, there's going to be another one. I think the next one I'm going to do is North by Northwest. Okay, so Ooh. you know, not so subtle plug for the blog. Read the blog. Read the blog. Read the blog. Read the blog. Oh, wait, have you read blog. our blog yet? Because we have a blog. Yeah, I hope you're it's aware. It's blog. blog. It's blog. It's, it's better good. than bad. It's good. <laughs> Everyone wants a blog. <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, how so, do we segue into that? It doesn't matter. So today's topic, um, <laughs> <laughs> as Wait. we were talking... Are going to do the segue song? No, fuck that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm getting really sick of the segue song. No offense, guys, who aren't here. Um, but, uh, yeah, so today's topic, we're going to be talking about 
the late great John Hughes. Yeah. Yes. Fantastic yes, filmmaker, defined eighties high school movies really. Hence why we we're kind of talking about eighties high schools. He kind stuff of defined eighties angst. Well, and, and, and the angsty, angsty and high schoolers. Family movies. Yeah. And family movies. So um, he kind of had both of those going on. Um, and he kind of has a lot of interesting characteristics that are very uh, reflective in a lot of the same stuff that he does. And um, so I think it'd be, you know, just a good topic, right? Yeah, I'm down. I think we should probably get a little better understanding of who Mr. Hughes is uh, with a brief bio. Go for it. John, my buddy John. Mr. Hughes. <laughs> John oh, Hughes. you knew John? Yeah, I did. Yeah, he was good. He was good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Really I'm the godfather because, of his children. <laughs> really, because all of his real friends call him Husey. Duh. Oh, okay. <laughs> like it's you true. guys know. Well, like See, you know. we both know Husey. <laughs> <laughs> I um, tried to recover. I called him John, too. Dave, I'm right with you. Yeah. yeah. I know John Hughes. That's right. Liar. Sarah wins. Liar. Apparently, Sarah is the only <laughs> person who knows him yeah. on, a, on, a, on a cellular level. Um, <laughs> Biblically. <laughs> She um, knows him biblically. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we and we recently, which is we did go to church together. <laughs> um, so he grew up in Michigan, and at some point he left Michigan in 1963. How old was he then? Um, let's see. He was born in 1950, so he's about 13. Okay. Right. So he's on the cusp of puberty. He's starting to have all those questionable, angsty feelings. And, and that's when he made his move to Illinois, right? That's when he makes his no. uh, uproot to uh, Northbrook, Illinois, where Hughes' father found work uh, selling roofing materials. Uh, and that is where <laughs> Hughes... For a second, I think saying selling roofies. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. Didn't you know? <laughs> Didn't you know that back in the day, back in the 60s, Mr. Hughes old roofies. Why are you a 1920s newsman? Because <laughs> when I report, Sarah, I know it. <laughs> <laughs> um, this week, John Hughes kills the Kaiser. <laughs> <laughs> We're spiraling already. Yeah. <laughs> Great episode. So that's fun. Um, but, um, but as John Hughes was starting up, he was actually selling jokes to well-established performers such as Rodney Dangerfield and Joan Rivers. Mm. Really? Um, huh. Yeah. Huh. And he uses jokes to get into an entry-level job at Needham, Harper, and Steers as an advertising copywriter in Chicago back in the 70s, or actually in 1970. And then later again at uh, Leo Burnett Worldwide in 1974. And during that time, he created what became the famous Edge credit card shaving test ad campaign. Hmm. Which I have no idea what that is. Um, I don't know. What some that of is our either. older listeners perhaps may know this ad of which I speak. So if you do, please tweet us, email us, smoke signal us, whatever you're uh, remembering, and maybe even the link. That's assuming that anybody over the age of twenty listens to us. It's possible. <laughs> hey, <laughs> I listen Sarah. to us. <laughs> hey, good job. Yeah, you with your like little faith. Why don't you go back to your biblical times, huh? Yeah, when you knew John Hughes biblically in biblical times. <laughs> um, I have no response to that because that was so odd. <laughs> okay, I will totally go back in time to biblical times and hang out with Jesus because that would be weird. <laughs> now we're getting religious, Sarah. Keep your keep your. Tell me how this. awesome his abs are because if all this art and sculpture is is correct, it it looks pretty Dude, impressive. Great cheese on them. <laughs> 
I washed my clothes on them. I just beat them against him. <laughs> All right. Now, after my homoerotic like uh, portrayal of our Lord and Savior. <laughs> Jesus. I was thinking that. I was like, like no, no, no. Hit me with your clothes because in about five days, I'm going to have way worse. So. <laughs> Beat him like the Romans. <laughs> oh, God. Anyway. Back on anyway. topic. Uh, so anyways, Hughes found work at uh, Virginia Slim's account frequently and took him to the Philip Morris headquarters in New York City. And this gave him the opportunity to hang around the offices of National Lampoon Magazine. Aha. Uh-huh. Wow, I never knew National Lampoon Magazine and Big Tobacco were <laughs> this, like apparently the same Didn't building you know? or in cahoots of some kind. They must be. Um, yeah. And then, I mean, that's how National Lampoon is able to shell out movies every year. Smoking. Yeah. <laughs> Are you smoking yeah, there, yet? There's a commercial for smoking. Oh, yeah, you think smoking kills? Well, smoking also makes jokes, and they make people laugh. There you go, activists. You would have never had vacation if you didn't have smoking. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's both on a, uh, on a on a movie level and, and in real life. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, and then Hugh subsequently penned a story inspired by his family trips as a child that this became his calling card and entry onto the staff magazine. This piece... Vacation 58 later became the basis for the film National Lampoon's Vacation. Holiday Road. I'm done. And uh, and that's pretty <laughs> much where he got started. His first credited screenplay, though, was Class Reunion, was written while uh, on staff at the magazine. And uh, the resulting film became the second disastrous attempt to duplicate um, the runaway success of Animal House. Yeah. Oh. Uh, it was Hughes's next screenplay for the imprint National Lampoon's Vacation that would prove to be a major hit, putting the Lampoon putting Lampoon back on the map. That film's success, along with the success of other Hughes scripts, Mr. Mom earned Hughes uh, a three movie deal with Universal. And as I say, the rest is history, darling. Yeah, thanks for reading all that from Wikipedia. Hey. <laughs> I've been actually following along this whole time, <laughs> and I've had my finger on the screen doing like a little ball hopping across. <laughs> Hey, you know what? We need to set up what we're no, going to talk about. No, that's totally fine. So, um, yes, we do. I would have to say that probably one of my first John Hughes movies that I ever saw was Vacation. And I've not seen Vacation. Oh, my God. It is oh, so good. Oh, gee. And Are you serious? Okay, it, here, it totally here. reminds me of my family. Like, yeah. my, my dad kind of is Clark Griswold. That's very true. I've met her dad. Yeah. It's... He's, I'm like, and I mean that in the most affectionate way possible, Dad. Sorry. Um. <laughs> I, I do too, sir. I've seen your collection of guns. So, <laughs> shh, we're not going to talk about that. Um, as I was preparing for this, I was going through uh, IMDb and I was looking at all the the movies that John Hughes has written and directed, and I was extremely proud of myself because if you exclude direct to video and um, TV movies, mm-hmm. I have seen. Over three quarters of the John Hughes movies. Damn. Yeah. Apparently, wow. I really like John Hughes. <laughs> well, there's a lot to like. There's a lot of really, really classic ones. Sixteen Candles, of course. This is where we kind of get into, you know, when they, people talk about the John Hughes movies, they're usually talking about Sixteen Candles, uh, Breakfast Club, uh, some kind of wonderful, pretty in pink, weird science, that kind of thing. Yes, Sean. Though he's written a lot of these movies and he produced a lot of them, he only directed eight yeah, he films. hasn't directed that many, but he... He, he didn't direct that lot. many. Yeah. A lot of the best ones he directed, but mm-hmm. a lot of these he just wrote. So the ones of those ones that he directed, those early ones, Sixteen Candles, Breakfast Club, and Weird Science, and Ferris Bueller's Day Off. He directed those. Um, He directed Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, 
which yes. is another fantastic movie. We talked about how much we love that around Thanksgiving time. Yeah, check mm-hmm. out the Thanksgiving episode. Yeah. Uh, one of the yeah. classic ones that I really liked, Uncle Buck. That was one of yeah. the ones that he wrote oh, and directed. Hold on, you skipped over one that gets me, and it got. It was not very critically. It wasn't critically received very well. Which um, one? Uh, the Great Outdoors. Oh no no no! That's a really good one too. John Candy, yeah, I, but Jan he didn't. Aykroyd. He didn't direct that one. No, he, he just wrote. Oh, oh, he just went through the ones. that, he directed uh, "She's Having a Baby," the Kevin Bacon vehicle. Which uh, that's actually one I've never seen. I just remember seeing trailers for it on a bunch of old VHSs, but I've never seen it. Yeah. So I feel like I get the gist. Sure. Yeah. The funny thing is, is actually right before you guys suggested, I'd even suggest doing John Hughes at this point, but you guys suggested it um, a few days prior. I uh, purchased at Target a double pack of Uncle Buck and Great Outdoors. Oh, I oh yep, I got that too. Bucks. I found that the other day. I was oh, so excited. Awesome. <laughs> I was so excited I hadn't to seen find the that. Great Outdoors in forever and that oh, movie. Oh my god, I love that movie so much. So Dan Aykroyd in that movie is ridiculous. <laughs> when he you know does- what hot dogs are made of. <laughs> Lips and assholes. <laughs> when, he, when he tells that story to his kids after the bear story, he goes like, my <laughs> uncle used to tell me a story about a, uh, about an insane asylum up, uh, up the hill here. And, uh, you know, they were beaten, they were tortured, and one of them got away. And every so often, he'd tell us that that wandering man was just still out in the woods. And he's like, okay, good night, kids. <laughs> <laughs> so good. So what's so definitive then, I guess, about John Hughes and when we say the John Hughes movies? Because I find that really interesting that there is very much a clear dichotomy um, between the teenage ones, the teenager movies, and then the family movies. Because we do have Vacation. Home Alone was written by John Hughes. The Beethoven movies were all written by John Hughes later on. But yeah. under I think that was those were all the ones under a different name. I think the majority of people, and I would say people who are not film aficionados who, like us or others that are like us where they live on IMDb, I think the majority of people, when you say John Hughes, they immediately go to Brat Pack. Yeah. I think he's he's yeah. in in common culture he is so identified with the Brat Pack and those films that people sometimes forget like myself I had no idea that he had written Flubber or that he had written the the live action version of 101 Dalmatians. Yeah, yeah. You know, so there's a lot of movies on this list that I have seen that I love that I had no idea were his calling card because they weren't the big yeah. they weren't what defined him. What defined right. yeah. him were these 80s angst Films, especially Breakfast Club, I feel like defined him the most because that movie I feel was his way of getting all that angst out. That each one of those characters were likely a a representation of him well, in I, some yeah. capacity. Yeah, and like how we kind of talked about in the uh, the Gen X episode, that was the same thing because he was a Gen X director of, of the idea of creating community mm-hmm. um, with that. And and so yeah, I can totally see that and. It, to say that he's so completely associated with the Brat Pack, though, you know, this is a certain style to his movies, but, you know, he didn't do St. Elmo's Fire or anything like that. He didn't do those ones. He didn't do... Was St. Elmo's Fire really part of the Brat Pack? Yes. Yeah, because it is had it? Well, most of them in it. Most it of them. It had Alex Sheedy, and it yeah. had... Um, I've never seen St. Elmo's Fire. And Rob Lowe. Was Rob Wait, Emilio Estevez wasn't in it, was he? Um, yes. Yes, he was. I haven't seen St. Yes, Elmo's Fire since my babysitter made me watch it when I was like... <laughs> I'm on it. I'll figure it out. No, he's in it. So you had um, Estevez, Rob Lowe, Andrew McCarthy, Demi Moore, Judd Nelson, Ali Sheedy, uh, Mary Winningham, and then they start getting into the other Okay, and then, so no Emilio Estevez? No, Estevez was there. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, all right. All right, guys, I got a list here for you. Okay. 
All right, so the Brat Pack. There's a list here on Wikipedia. There's mm-hmm. actually a whole entry about it. It says Brat Pack actors in parentheses. So it has a chart. Pretty much, it's just like a, it's a table, and it has the movie, a list of the movies, and who was in it. There's a list of all the people that count as the Brat Pack, which are Emilio Estevez, Anthony Michael Hall, Rob Lowe, Andrew McCarthy, Demi Moore, Judd Nelson, Molly Ringwald, and Ali Sheedy. They're not always all in these movies, and they're not yeah. all in all of them, but the movies listed go all the way back to The Outsiders. And a movie wow. called Class, Oxford Blues, Blue wow. City, Wisdom, wow. Fresh Horses, Hail Caesar. So wow. these are they were just ones that they just happened yeah. to work together. So a basically, lot. Okay. yeah. If there there's a list of all these actors, and if more than one of them were in it together, they're saying that's a Brat Pack. Movie. Well, and I think it's I think that with the Brat Pack though, it, what made them all together was not just the fact that they were all working together, but they were also friends, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So well, it's very much like how this generation had, I think, what they called themselves the frat pack, and that was Owen Wilson, Vince Vaughn, uh, oh, okay. Will Ferrell, Ben Stiller. Sure. That that troop. Yeah, Because yeah, yeah. for a while there, you saw them in a lot of movies together. Okay, yeah. okay, okay. <clears throat> okay, so then let but, me, but let me notab- redefine my statement. Notably not involved in that, even though they were you know 80s icons. Right. Matthew Broderick's not in there. John Cusack's not in there. Um, those ones are left out. Then I guess what I should, I should re- redefine my statement in that, for me at least, and at least those that I've talked to, is that when I hear John Hughes, I think of Pretty in Pink, uh, Ferris Bueller, Weird Science... 16 Candles, all those movies about that. For me, I feel like he defined teenage angst on film. That he gave a, a, a voice at a time where I don't think teenage angst really had that big of a voice. Like, because he had the different dichotomies of it in all his movies. Like, you know, with uh, with Ferris Bueller, you had the, the smarmy kid, and with um, Weird Science, you had the two, you know, geeky guys who actually got the girl at the end. So that's at least my opinion, Sarah. I wouldn't say so much that it's about teenage angst. I would say that it's more about a celebration of being a teenager and appreciating the fact that teenagers are essentially just less experienced grown-ups. That is what I would say is definitive. That's just a fancy way to say angst. No, angst means that you're you're disenfranchised and you're moping, like everything sucks, and not... Ferris Bueller doesn't have that attitude at all. Cameron does. Don't argue with the English degree. I, but I like to. It's fun. <laughs> Just because one character has it does not mean that that defines the whole movie or defines the whole movement. I would say that teenage angst was defined cinematically in Rebel Without a Cause. Yeah. So that goes, I was gonna I was gonna mention that. Yeah. So yeah. Well, look played. at you, film degrees. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> but but I would say that it's definitely a celebration of being a teenager. Because that's what I think Breakfast Club was, of saying, you know, we're all different, but we're all the same. Ferris Bueller's Day Off is a, a day in the life, but celebrating um, young spirit and freedom and, yeah, kind of your ability to, to be a jackass and get away with it, you know? Yeah, that movie 100% celebrated being an asshole. Why? Yes, it did. I'm no. I'm you can. Don't get me wrong. In a good I, way, though. I love Matthew Broderick, and I love that movie. Oh, I love Matthew Broderick. But, but Ferris Bueller, the character Ferris yeah. Bueller, is an asshole. He's a horrible friend to Cameron, right? Yeah. He yeah. He like of, uses him all the he time. He uses him all yeah. the time. He wants to shack up with this like seventeen year old. 
He wanted to marry her. I understand. But he, yeah, he wanted to marry her, but that didn't stop him from talking to the two chicks in the bikinis when he's trying to run oh. through all of the yards. Yeah. Thank you. You could tell that like any girl that comes by him, he could be with his wife and he'd be like, hey, what's up? Hey, hi. Yeah, exactly. Oh, hey. No, that, hey, that is up? true, too, because because that... Oh, and that's God. what assholes do. And that's right when he's like running home and right after he just like left her and she's just like, he's going to marry and me. And they had that moment, yeah. right? So it's like he learned nothing was yeah. Sloan. Yeah. And then at the same time, I mean, and he's a kid who's got fucking everything. I mean, yep. his parents are doting on yeah, him. Uh, 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 he didn't get everything. He didn't get a car. He got a computer. <laughs> he got a computer. <laughs> but what I'm saying is, like, you've got a guy who literally the school shuts down because he has a sick day. <laughs> but I that, wish I had that much power. Well, no, it was it was that they blew it so much out of proportion that it was the telephone game, the gossip telephone game. So right, but I'm just yeah. saying, like, the fact that they had the fucking water tower say safe... No, was it the water tower or was that at the Cubs game? It was at the game, I think. And the water I mean, tower says it, too. And, and yeah, the water yeah, tower yeah. does say... I'm just saying, Save like... Save Ferris. I have a t-shirt that says Save Ferris. That's a good band. It is a good band, but the I it was for the movie, not for the band. No, I know, okay. but I'm just saying, like he's an. A- I mean, it celebrates an asshole character. Yeah. Where I mean, he I'm reminded sure- me a lot of me, though. W- were you the Ferris Bueller of your high school? No, day, I wasn't Sean? the Ferris. I wasn't the Ferris Bueller, but I was. I was always trying to scam, getting away out of school, and like hiding things from authority figures and. Yeah, I saw a lot of that part of my. That's why I really enjoyed it. And I did enjoy his character, even though I do recognize, like you do, that he's a prick. He's kind of a prick, yeah. He's kind yeah. of a prick. Yeah. But what I love is the the secretary in the principal's office. They all think he's a righteous dude. <laughs> She's so Shinheads, dopeheads. <laughs> she got her gig on planes, trains, and automobiles whilst doing Ferris Bueller. I can completely see that. He hired her, and then he goes, look, I'm writing something new. Here, do you that scene is that awesome, scene? where she's just like, you're fucked. Oh, <laughs> man. She's a wonderful actress. I love her. Yeah. It, um, it takes a lot to go toe-to-toe in one scene with Steve Martin and steal it. And Yeah, she steals that <laughs> yeah. scene. And everything that she's been in, she's always been so bubbly, and everything that she's usually in is so lighthearted. So when I first saw Natural Born Killers and she's the mom in one of the first scenes and it's like she gets murdered horrifically, I was like, oh my God, a piece of my childhood is gone. (laughs) Why? Why did you kill that one chick whose name I don't know? (laughs) (laughs) The lady from the movies that I like. You killed that lady. Who reminds me of Nana. (laughs) She's dead. (laughs) Like, is this a real person? No, but her character died. <laughs> well, okay, so that's another thing, too, that you see in the John Hughes high school movies. Not the family movies, but the high school movies. Uh, the or- the authority figures. The authority figures are always at a point of, of weakness for whatever reason. It's whether They're it's, always stupid. Or whether it's their own hubris or something like that that just gives them that, that flaw. All the, all the adults are flawed in those movies. Can we take a poll? Who is your favorite authority figure in a John Hughes movie? I mean, I have to say, I have to say Ed Rooney from okay. Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Sean, I would say Ed Rooney was the funniest to watch because he was because yeah. of all the slapstick stuff that they did with him. But the principal, or not the principal, the dean, the dean from Breakfast Club, he's my yes. favorite too. Yeah, because oh, he's such a jerk, and I wanted to punch him in the, the face horns. the whole time. And when and an actor can make me really want to punch a television, knowing that it's not that person. He's doing his job. He also the fact that he reprised his role for not another two movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That was, yeah. That was mad good. props. Um, I'm trying to think because 
Because there weren't really, I mean, there were the parents in 16 Candles and the grandparents. Can we just say that all parents in John Hughes movies, and this is actually, if you really wanted to dive into his psychosis and like his childhood, all of the parents in all of the movies that he's written, at least in that time period, right, of, of being in high school, all non-existent. Uh, no, 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 no. 16, 16 candles. candles, they're everywhere. They're everywhere. The thing is, they're vacation, just pre- Christmas they're vacation, like the whole family's there. They're preoccupied with, they're the sisters, ex- with the sister's wedding. They're still paying attention to their kid, just mm-hmm. the wrong one. Pretty but in no, Pink? But that's what I'm saying, though, is that it's the main character, right? So Pretty in Pink and 16 Candles. No, you let me say Pretty in Pink. Okay, well, you say Pretty in Pink. Okay. The, <laughs> the, Break it up. <laughs> <laughs> the grown-up, the dad, is there. Again, they're flawed, but he's right. present, and he's present for her. I mean, he buys her the dress that, or right. one of the par- parts of the okay. dress that she ends up building for her prom dress. But uh, the only thing is, is he's struggling with his own pain. So yeah, so he doesn't. He's like struggling with finding a job and da da da. Non-existent was the wrong word. What I meant to say was, to me, it felt like a lot of the parents they're painted very much in the same way that the authority figures are. They're flawed. They're, right. But yeah. but not... Yeah, exactly. Flawed. Yeah, okay. I guess you're right. And they're That's clueless. The and, thank you. That was the word I was... That was they okay. seem clueless. They're all like aloof and they just... They're kind of absent-minded. And it's like... If you look at like Christmas Vacation, where the focus character is, is Chevy Chase's character is Clark Griswold. So he's not the... But his parents... If you look at the grandparents in that movie, they're all stupid and they're all aloof. Yeah, truth. Oh, and in Sixteen Candles, the grandparents in that the one parents too. in Home Alone leave their child at home twice. Yeah. <laughs> God, you think they learn? Um, right. To be fair, in the second one, they did bring him with him. Yeah, they, he just got under the wrong plane. Yeah, yeah. You put that kid on a leash after the last time, <laughs> right? Or no, I would look. just leave him home all the time. I'd be like, you know what? What what kind of security system do you have? Oh, I have ADT. Oh yeah, I have my eight year old kid, and he just wrecks shop. I I have Kevin McAllister. Period. I don't know. As far as notable adult figures, um, in Pretty in Pink, Annie Potts, um, she's... Oh, I forgot she was the mom. Yeah. She's not the mom. Wait, no. She's Jenny, not the right? mom. She owns the record store that Molly Ringwald works at. That's right. That's right. And, so, and she's kind of like post-hippie, so she's kind of like loosey-goosey, like everywhere, kind of doing whatever. But the thing that I don't like about that, and the reason why I actually just kind of in general have a problem with Pretty in Pink is I feel like that one's... All the characters in that movie are particularly shallow, more so than other John Hughes movies. Um, Because Annie Potts, I mean, she's doing her own thing. She's being a free spirit. And then at the end of the movie, she, like, cleans up, becomes an adult. And the last time you see her, she's wearing, like, a responsible adult outfit as opposed to, like, her crazy new wave look that she's used to. And she's like, yeah, isn't it weird? But I'm in love with this guy who has, like, a legitimate job. I don't know. I just didn't didn't like the way that came Mm -hmm. across. Loved a bad taste in my mouth, I think. It's just a sign of the times, though. That was, you know... Well, yeah, no, she even said, she's like, he's a yuppie. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I feel like the one theme, notwithstanding with um, any of the Beethoven movies, but at least with, with a good... <laughs> actually, I'm looking at his list of films here, and, like, the one thing that runs throughout all of his movies is denying the inevitable of taking on extra responsibility. Okay. Because if you put Flubber into that category, you know, he's he's not taking on the responsibility of being the husband that he wants to be, right? He's so wrapped up in his own thing. In, you know, Breakfast Club, the father of Emilio Estevez wants him to to grow up and, and be the star yeah. uh, athlete. 
uh, and so you just have like this 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 running theme of afraid of wanting to to progress and to and to grow up or move forward sean the most exaggerated example of what you're talking about has to be baby's day out because they're like all right what challenges are we you know let's send an infant into new york city how's that for growing up real quick guy baby's day out yeah, you forgot Baby's Day Out, didn't you? I watched that movie a lot because I had a lot of younger cousins, and they insisted, and I was like, oh, my God. They should show a director's cut where, like, the baby dies in the first, like, three minutes. They're like, oh, God! Do you remember Curly Sue? I do. I actually saw that in the... In, did I see it in the theaters? I don't. I didn't see it in the theaters, but I remember really liking that movie as a kid. Is that Ray Liotta? No, it's uh, Jim Belushi, and he's got a daughter, oh, and they're both right. homeless, and he's kind of like a con artist who's constantly trying to, like get over on people, fake injuries and stuff to get like a place for him and his daughter to stay. And this, uh, this lady who's, I think she's rich, some kind of lawyer or doctor or something wants to help them. And I saw it recently and it's not that great, honestly, but when I was a kid, I really liked it. It's a good family yeah, movie. Yeah. I, I remember watching it a few times when I was a kid. I don't remember a whole heck of a lot about it now, but I would say that, yeah, that's a reoccurring theme in some of the movies, but I think like embracing frivolity is a little bit more appropriate to say not so much avoiding responsibility but it kind of i mean they go hand in hand in some regards but like when you look at vacation and all he wants to do is get to to wally world and he's just trying to embrace like some some you know again something that's kind of frivolous and fun or whatever in christmas vacation he just wants that bonus so he can build a pool you know in vegas vacation that I, was even I, him I, he's got a gambling problem <laughs> no chevy chase was in um vegas vacation the, the yeah but i was saying he had a, no, his thing was he, he had a gambling was. problem gambled no, away the whole family's not oh no that wasn't him yeah it wasn't john hughes but he did do european vacation which i don't think that i've seen that one that one's not that great. Honestly, I like Vegas Vacation more than I like that Ooh. vacation. I like Christmas Vacation 2 that was straight to DVD with just Uncle Eddie on an island somewhere. <laughs> Better <laughs> than I like European Vacation. Wow, that's pretty bad. <laughs> yeah, Vegas Vacation is pretty horrible, even though I secretly like that movie. I Vegas own that vacation? movie. I lo- oh, I love the I have this that- thing where if I buy one of uh, some series, I even have to buy the shitty ones. But I only buy the $5 DVDs. E- so you're you're a completist. It's okay. Isn't yep. um, Ethan Embry He in is. That one? He plays Rusty. Oh, side note. They are rebooting the Vegas vac- the Vacation series. I think it's Anthony, Anthony Michael, Michael Hall. Hall. I think he's playing Rusty. And it's Rusty but grown it's, up with yeah. a family. That's kind of cute. Nice. Which is good. I'm glad that they're not trying to make him a have, Clark Griswold. Are they going to have Julia You can't Lewis? recreate Clark Griswold. No, um, you can't. I wonder if they're going to get him to cameo. Probably not. He hates everything. Um, yeah, he is an <laughs> asshole. Yeah. I can't believe he was on Community for as long. I can't believe that he lasted as long as he did on that show without having like horrible falling outs with everybody. Well, oh, yeah, he already he was, did. Everybody a, hated him. They have a chant on that show at the end of every season I, I've heard where they're like, fuck Chevy. That's so, really bad. That's yeah. really bad. Um, but, yeah. Um, I'm surprised they got Cocaine him. is a hell of a drug, ladies and gentlemen. Right, right. <laughs> I'm surprised they actually got him to come on and reprise his role uh, or dress up in the Three Amigo thing for the SNL with Justin Timberlake. Yeah, I was surprised he did that, too, because I know he doesn't want... He thinks he's so much better than all of them. Yeah. yeah. Anyways. <laughs> yeah, anyways. Like now three, that we're done beating like up Chevy Chase. I like Three Amigos, though. That is such a good movie. <laughs> I love it, too. Everyone, no, it's a great movie, but... You know what? Here's a reality show idea. This would be the most interesting thing. Put Chevy Chase and Gary Busey in an apartment (laughs) together, and then just film them like Big Brother style. Just every bit. Oh, no. That would be the best. 
best TV show that ever. That would be the worst yeah. train wreck ever. <laughs> but you would have to watch. I just have to watch. No, because Netflix, there's a new show idea. I don't want to watch my childhood die. Like this is I just don't like to listen to the stuff about Chevy Chase being a punk or, you know, all the awful politics about Ghostbusters and things like that because I just don't uh, want my childhood to crumble. Jean-Claude Van Damme is a serial murderer. Yeah. What? No, that's not really true. I was going to say, what? That would be really funny (laughs) if he was. I mean, not like funny for the people he killed, but funny for the rest of us. (laughs) This tangent's great, guys. (laughs) Uh, Oh, you know what? You know what I just realized and I'm so upset about? Hmm. What'd you do? He didn't write the scripts, but he wrote the story for both Made in Manhattan yeah. And Drillbit Taylor. Yeah. But he did it as his um, pseudonym that you were talking about before. Yeah, oh uh, yeah. So Edmund um, Dantes. Edmund Dantes is uh, a pseudonym that he wrote under occasionally, apparently for his worst movies, <laughs> in my opinion. <laughs> Which uh, seems yeah, to be looking all at the it, sequels like, of third. Beethoven, Edmund yeah. Dantes. <laughs> yeah. Be- Beethoven's fourth, Edmund Dantes. Yeah. Beethoven's well, second, Edmund Dantes. I think you uh, Beethoven. Toxic was... Avenger 15, Edmund Dantes. <laughs> oh, even Beethoven okay. was written under Yeah, the, even Beethoven. It was all written under that. And he got the name from Count of Monte Cristo. Fun fact. Oh. Mm-hmm. It's one of the characters. Interesting. Is that the one that uh, is falsely imprisoned? Or is that the name that he yeah. takes when he. No, no. That's, he becomes, once he gets out of prison, he becomes the Count of Monte Cristo. But oh. his original name is Edmund Dantes. Hmm. Education. Boom. <laughs> Y'all learned something today. See, and look, you thought that that English degree was not going to do anything. I know. Look what you've done. Yeah. You've educated America. <laughs> and oh. some people in Australia. <laughs> and England and Germany. And Canada. Hey, everybody. What's hey. going on? Hey, <laughs> hello, world. I really want to talk about The Breakfast Club for a little bit, guys. Okay. Okay, please. We did Awesome. So I was thinking about it earlier when you were saying that <clears throat> John Hughes, obviously... We went to this high school, so he was a part of the environment, but he's writing the story, so who who do we see in that movie as that his actual personality do you think is in there? And I honestly think that he switched it up and he made Ali Sheedy's character the kind of guy that he is. Like he was that archetype in high school because he's been quoted as saying his heroes when he was younger were Bob Dylan, John Lennon, and Picasso, which is very mm. like hipstery, like, you know, yeah. kind of on the fringe kind of dude. And the thing that I noticed is he's picked up on the speak of the teenage people in that era so well. And he obviously had to be super observant. So I think he was the quiet guy who just observed everybody. And that's how he has such a good barometer for everything happening in these movies. Yeah, maybe. I Because originally I would think actually the Anthony Michael Hall character just because that type of awkward nerd comes up so often in the movies. That's true. And yep. so maybe it's a mix. Maybe it's a little bit of a mix. That's why I suggested that I think all those characters, in some capacity, are versions of himself. Except for Emilio Estevez, because he was not an athlete of any kind. Well, maybe he had a father that wished he was, or wished that he was. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? So, I mean, I think that... Yeah, and maybe he really liked sushi. Yeah. Like Molly Ringwald in that movie. (laughs) Shut up. (laughs) (laughs) But I mean, it's interesting from like a writer's perspective. I mean, that would be a fun, fun thing to do is to to, to write a, a single room area, mostly single room, where you basically get to put all different levels of yourself fighting with each other. I mean, I'm sure someone uh, from like a psych class has probably looked at oh, that yeah, movie I'm sure. I'm and sure. like 
dissected it to an umpteenth degree to figure out, oh, this actually is his character and this person. Or to like attribute something to like the id ego and super ego or something like that. Yeah. To me, that movie, that movie spoke to me on a writing level because I felt like that was the truest connection to a younger generation. I felt like watching that movie, I could identify because I too was in high school and I felt like, yeah, there is that separation and there is that, there are those people who, you know, get that connection together. And for me, being a theater kid, I found that you have those different dichotomies coming together, uniting underneath one force when you do a play. Because in high school, there would be a lot of people trying out of all different shapes, sizes, you know, and cliques. And so you, you form this little family through that you know, six week process or however long it was in high school and you had a great time and then the minute the show's over with and everything's been, you know, deconstructed, you all go about your lives again and you never talk to that person again. And you still yep. find that even in the community theater in the in the Bay Area, right? You have all these people, you're friends with them, you'll say hi to them if you see them in the halls of the hallway of life, which is the streets. Well, and that's the other thing too. They even talk about that. They say, "When we see each other again on Monday, are you gonna are you gonna gonna pass by me? me. You gonna say hi to me in the halls?" No, like that's just kind of what it boils down to. Because it's finding common ground and understanding common ground. They might treat each other nicer, but they're not gonna be besties. That's where I think I identified with it because you do form these relationships throughout your life. Yeah, and you know that hey, thank you for that one moment in my life where you meant something to me, and I will always remember you for doing that action. But going forward, we're never going to be talking on the phone for hours and hours and hours. You know, we're not going to be eating haagen when your boyfriend breaks up with you or your girlfriend breaks up. I mean, it's just right. it, that's never going to be that close. We, we have that moment. It's over. It's done. We will always remember it. Nothing more than that. Yeah, and I think that's why I really appreciate that whole day-in-the-life style of that movie. Mm. Yeah, because it's just a snapshot. Mm-hmm. And that's what's so perfect about it. It's like one big, long, moving painting. Yeah. But like a but a picture of a perfect moment, like you know, we all have like yeah. those really good candid pictures where everything else that happened around that may not be as interesting or may not have as much significance. But that one picture, that one perfect picture. And we have these all throughout our whole lives. It's something that's that's human. Like we go on trips where people you don't know are on the trips and you're besties and then you're gone. It's just something that human beings do all the time and I don't think that it was as bluntly portrayed and laid out like it was in breakfast club yeah that's true when i went to canada or when we went to canada we met a guy i don't even remember his name um i just remember him because he called me california which i thought oh, yeah, was I really forgot about that <laughs> yeah yeah so there was this guy in canada who i identified with because he was roughly our age maybe a little bit older and mm-hmm. he was from canada and um happened to be at this ranch that we were staying at and we made that connection because he was of like age and he was of like mind and he had a nickname for me which was great because there was one night they had like a dance at the hall or something and he was like california get your fucking ass on the dance floor which was great because i'd never been called a state before yeah so but i mean but 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 what sean what you just said is just so true that it just doesn't happen in high school it happens throughout life you know, which I think is such a profound thing that that he kind of instilled to a, to a younger audience was that in your life, you're going to have moments where these people affect you in dramatic ways. And you're going to want to open up to them about your attempted suicide or the fact that your father beats the shit out of you overnight over a pack of smokes. I mean, they're going to be people that you trust in so much. And it's just going to be for that single 
moment and it's never going to happen again and to cherish those moments because those are the people who are truly at least that's what i got from it was that those are the people that are truly your friends because they allowed you to have that moment of vulnerability to say look this is where my life is and they said hey this is how you pick yourself up and this is how you deal with it and then you just walk on and you go wow thank you for that advice i really appreciate it like that that was amazing sean the first time I saw that movie, I think I was in seventh grade, and I was watching it. Um, my cousin was visiting from Connecticut. We were watching it together, and I loved it. So I started obsessing over it, and I watched it over and over and over again. And then by the time I got to high school, I feel like that movie being in my head, and especially the the letter that they write at the end, was so powerful for me, knowing like just how it defined what people saw all these people as, but that's not what they were. I loved that so much. I took a poster that was on the wall and I flipped it around on the white side and I wrote that whole speech on it while pausing the VHS tape. <laughs> and I, I had it up on my wall until I was like a sophomore in high school and I remember always reading it and thinking about it and I was like, these people are going to act this way and these people are going to be like this, but when you get them alone, they're going to, they're still just people. We're all the same, but we're all different at the same time. So it helped me. I feel like that movie had a big effect on how I approached being social in high school. I think most importantly, though, it it's opening up, finding honesty with people, and then having a musical montage. <laughs> of course, where we all dance and smoke pot in the That's library. the most important <laughs> part. Which doesn't happen. I found, I actually, like, I told a teacher once, I was like, yeah, give me Saturday school, go ahead, because I was like, Saturday school is going to be just like <laughs> Breakfast Club. <laughs> and then I went to Saturday school, and they're like, yeah, you're going to be scraping gum off tables in the cafeteria for six hours. You're like, that You're like, is wait. not what I signed up for. <laughs> wait, where's the Saturday school where I get high with my friends? And I yeah, watch a I, creepy girl I was told like, put her dandruff yeah. on a sandwich. <laughs> and no, no, no. She put her dandruff on a on a, a, a sketch. A oh. sketch, yeah. She was putting on a snow sketch. on it. Oh, okay. I'm yeah, sorry. She put, uh, I think pixie it was like sticks. pixie sticks. That pixie sticks it. on her okay. sandwich. And like Captain and Crunch. potato chips. Oh, no, no, that's right. Captain Crunch. <laughs> I thought Ali Chidi was hot. But this is weird. Dude, My cousin and I thought she was so hot. And then when they do the makeover at the end, I was like, she looks gross. <laughs> Dude, she was totally hot as a freak. I've, I hated yeah. the fact when they did the little makeover thing on her, and I was like, oh. I know. She looked weird. Now you just like, look oh, like everybody else. <laughs> exactly. Did anyone else find it not hot when uh, Ringwald put the lipstick between her breasts and then put it on? Well, I don't think it was supposed mm. to be hot so much as just, like, that was a weird trick that but she here's, had But here's camp. why it's not... No, see, here's the thing. I'm sorry. No offense to Molly Ringwald, but at that time, she was not very well endowed in the Chestal region. There is no way she could have done that. <laughs> she is now. There's she is some sort of... She there's is, some movie where she's got some big old boobies. <laughs> yeah, she was on an ABC Family show where she played the mom. And no, was, I'm... Sw go on Mr. Skin. There's a movie. <laughs> <laughs> Really? Where you get to see her boobs, and they are pretty big. And I was like, I don't remember those being that big when you were sticking lipstick between them. <laughs> There's the episode title, Sticking <laughs> Lipstick Between Them. <laughs> oh my god, I don't think we can. <laughs> oh, jeez, Louise. So let's talk a little bit about what is, uh, what's also common just as far as um, the actual filmmaking style of John Hughes. Okay. Musical cues are oh, everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Everywhere. It, in Ferris Bueller's the chicka chicka, bomb, 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 you know? And <laughs> it's like. That was really good. It's like you. I was with Radar the entire time. <laughs> Sean, Sean, I, I, I just want you to know Radar from the Police Academy just stepped into the nerd cave <laughs> just for that one moment. It was fantastic. Thank you, Radar. Brat. <laughs> <laughs> 
hate you. Or or in Breakfast Club, the you know, uh, don't you forget about me. Or the prom scene in in Pretty Pink. Oh my God, no the the Otis Redding try a little tender, tenderness scene in Pretty in Pink with mm-hmm. uh, with John Cryer doing his little thing. Which if any guy does that, like hello oh, swoon. Oh, and, oh, and Home Alone the. <laughs> Yeah. I also love his uh, like his non-linear montage style, mm-hmm. kind of like the one in Ferris Bueller where they're they're in the um, the, museum. the museum. That's awesome. Oh my god, I love the thing with Cameron where it's like d- the Sunday in the park um, yeah. painting, and it's just back and forth between the two eyes between him and the little girl. <laughs> So are we going to say that all the people that make, like Marvel especially, robbed the idea of putting additional scenes after the credits from John Hughes? Oh, probably. Probably. Oh my god, I love the one in Ferris Bueller where he's like, go home. (laughs) Seems like, go away. (laughs) Actually, can I, I want to talk about Ferris Bueller's Day Off real quick. Please. The scene, oh my, first of all, Ferris Bueller is in my top five movies of all time. It is, and how I rate my top five movies are the ones that I really like to watch when I'm sick. Okay. And yep. Princess Bride and Ferris Bueller's Day Off were the two, and, and Young Frankenstein. Those were those three Good. were the three that I would watch when I'm sick. Because they're comforting. They're so comforting. They're yeah. funny, and I, I just, I adore those movies. My tag, my little quote thingy on my email, whenever I send out an email from Nerdonomy, at the very bottom it says, I could be the walrus. Stop to bum rides off people. people. <laughs> <laughs> but that whole speech where he's like, I don't believe in isms. Like, that defined my outlook on life in high school. Like, I don't believe in isms. And just you see, we a lot of our generation has been defined by a lot of these films. Yeah. At least moments in a few years of our youth. Right. And and my my side career path of being a nurse stripper was you know, <laughs> heavily influenced by Ferris Bueller's Day Was it? <laughs> I, I heard that you were failing ill. Headache, fever, and a chill. chill. <laughs> and I, I came to restore your pluck. Because I'm, I'm the nurse, nurse who likes to... Click. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't get so that good. until I was like 14 or something and I watched it again. I was like, oh. She was about to say the F word. She was going to say fuck. <laughs> No, and I, I gotta say, what I love about Ferris Bueller's Day Off is his use of breaking the fourth wall. That, yeah, oh, that, yeah. That's a great... Again, Ferris Bueller, totally. He, no, Ferris Bueller, he does it a lot, but yeah. in other movies, there's a lot of... It's, it's shorter. It's just like a look at the camera. Oh, yeah. John Cryer does it in uh, in Pretty in Pink at the end in the prom scene when um, one of the popular chicks like looks at him and she's like hey and he's like what me and she's like yeah and then he just kind of like quickly like looks at the camera like all right what's up <laughs> well yep. and gary and wyatt look at the camera a lot in weird science yeah and i love that he winks to the audience to be like you know you're watching something yeah. you know you're having fun well he hopes that you're having fun but to have that breaking of the fourth wall is it is almost a nice recognition to the audience to be like hey yeah i'm part of the movie yeah like, does he doesn't do it in Breakfast Club, though, right? He does not. Uh, there, there aren't any movies. Not that I can think that, of. But. That movie's got too earnest of uh, an approach from, yeah. for the full for the theme. I think to do that would have taken. I mean, because he uses it correctly. He uses it when it doesn't take you out. Because as long as yeah. you're having fun with these characters, it's okay. But when you're in a very emotional moment in a movie in order to hold all those together you can't really do that it's appropriate mugging <laughs> appropriate which, mugging which what which is what makes ferris bueller yeah. so much better like i think if that movie was a voiceover or another form of narration other than him physically looking at the camera and giving his dialogue to us mm-hmm. would have killed that movie yeah because yeah. you needed him to be that 
confident, cocky son of a bitch. Right. To to just be like, yeah, I know I'm, I'm in a fucking movie. Like mm-hmm. you're watching me. So you're going to watch me do my shit. Cameron is so tight. <laughs> You put a lump of if coal show- <laughs> up his ass. In two weeks, you'd have a diamond. <laughs> his house is like a museum. It's very beautiful and very cold, and you can't touch anything. <laughs> <laughs> Rooney, you're an asshole. <laughs> oh, my God. That movie is so good. It's just so good. Uh, yeah, it's one part. of those ones where I watch it when I'm sick, just like you do. Yeah. And anytime it's on TV, if I'm flipping through the channels, I just stop and watch the rest you gotta, of it. You have to watch, yeah. I will say, I give them props for doing uh, a Ferris Bueller-esque car commercial last Super Bowl. That was actually really cute. And they had the, the whole, like, yeah. That was, it was well done. Right. And you know what they didn't need to do, though, was the short-lived Ferris Bueller's Day Off TV, TV show, show where oh. uh, Jennifer, Jennifer Aniston, Aniston played mm-hmm. Sloane. This is true. No, she played the sister. Oh, no, that's right. She played Jeannie. She played Jennifer Did Gray. she? Yeah. yeah, no, yeah. She played oh, Jennifer okay. Gray's character. Oh, I never Jennifer saw Gray. it. I saw, like, the, they have a commercial for it on YouTube that I saw once because someone sent me the link. Yeah. Can we talk about Jennifer Gray for a second? In what capacity? And how she was, like, totally on her way to be, like, Hollywood starlet, America's sweetheart, 1986, and then she got a nose job, and they stopped casting her. Yeah, because that's what made her unique and different, that she was, you know, though she saw it as a flaw, and some people would see it as a flaw, it was endearing to the audience that she had. Young Jennifer Grey, fucking gorgeous. Yeah, well, and she's, I mean, the thing is, is she's gorgeous with the nose job, too, but she's Typical yeah. looking. Yeah, she looks she, cookie cutter. Yeah, and she which made, she I thought was funny. Um, we make this Ferris Bueller reference, right? Because she she was the original genie, mm-hmm. and then Jennifer Aniston played genie. Yeah. Um, to which they actually were sharing the screen together on an episode of Friends, because hmm. she played Mindy, who oh, for that's you right. who are Friends lore know that mindy married barry who yeah was, but mindy was also like one of um she, it was jennifer aniston's best friend yeah Rachel's it was best friend Jenna, and yeah, they Rachel's were like best sweet, friend and like her maid of honor mm-hmm. and then she and ended up running off yeah with the, exactly yeah. there was a while where she was popping up on a lot of nbc stuff and i think she it was, was kind a, of like a, she had her own show yeah she had yeah her own she show. had it was the it's like you know which was by, brought to you by the same some of the same people that did seinfeld and it took seinfeld's old spot when it got canceled yeah and she played herself dealing with the fact that she was a washed up actress that nobody wanted to hire yeah. anymore because of her nose job exactly and that show actually i remember being good but i i think people were so bitter that seinfeld was canceled they said i'm going to a different network yeah maybe <laughs> we're gonna watch friends <laughs> yeah i'm gonna no well because friends is on the same network it was on the same lineup the thursday oh. night lineup yeah oh that's right yeah nerds on television <laughs> <laughs> but i think that one thing that we can all agree on is that john hughes provided a lot of entertainment right and I think what he knew, and Sean, you kind of pegged it, was that he knew when to do something right. In the sense that he knew when to do cutaways to the fourth wall uh, appropriately. But he also knew that when he had actors that could provide him the right stuff for the material, he used them over and over again. Which was, I think, a great choice. Because it's like uh, it's like with any uh, other acting job, you know? Like, y- you find a connection with the director, and you know what their strengths are, and so you, you put it to work in the best way possible, i.e. John Candy. And why he used John Candy so often in his movies was because Candy could deliver and sell those lines in the way that... But he didn't miscast them just because they were best friends. Right. Like, you, didn't, like you would never see John Candy playing, um, you know, Judd Nelson's character in Breakfast Club. No. You're like, oh, it's, it's fucking John Candy. He could totally play an 18-year-old. 
Right, right. Well, he just had a really, again, he had a really smart sense of how to make a good movie, and that's what he did. And, you know, the ones that he wrote and directed were great movies. Yeah, yeah. The ones that he wrote were, a lot of them were great movies, but the ones that he wrote and directed were great great movies guys i feel like we're we're really letting baby's day out uh, I uh, like uh, i think we need to say that baby's day out was amazing it was an achievement <laughs> in cinema is what that was i and, mean the oscar it, that year misunderstood that film wholeheartedly. straight up cock blocked <laughs> straight up straight cock-blocked. up cock blocked by and the I'm, academy awards i'm sorry if we did not have baby's day out we would not have had baby geniuses or baby geniuses too i know or and three. so like people just don't seem to recognize the impact that john hughes had on america and enter- like american entertainment and that's travesty <laughs> And you know what else he gave us? He gave us the definition of the word douchebag that is Bill Paxton in Weird Science. Because he played such a D-bag in every movie after oh, that yeah. until more recently. But he is always until just he did Titanic. He was just the guy with the Wait, jock brother douche. That's true, Sean, because he played a huge D-bag in uh, Aliens. Yeah, Aliens. He played a huge D-bag in True Game Lies. Over, man. Game over. Oh my god, Game his over, character in True Lies was like his character in True Lies. Pathetic. Fucking makes me laugh every fucking so, time. I was just listening to Nerdist podcast and they were talking about how they saw Bill Paxton or something like that and they saw like Tom Cruise and Tom Cruise was just like, "No, no, wait, wait, wait. I I'm the only one who can get them to do this." They're like, he's like, "Hey Bill, Bill, do Chet from Weird Science." He's like, "Just do Chet." And so he's like, fine and so he just does the chet thing like the chet impression or the chet voice i wouldn't give a squirt of piss for your ass right now <laughs> <laughs> it's like he's the remember, only one who can do that do you guys remember when bill paxton was in terminator yes i don't he it's was, been a really long time since he I've was at the terminator. very beginning he was one of the like yeah um, he's one of like, like the, the punk punk kids guys with the that, mohawks that's, oh, that stands no out shit, to schwarzenegger really? when he's like mm-hmm. first naked <laughs> Awesome. <laughs> he's like, give me your clothes. He's like, fuck you, man. I ain't gonna do that. And he's like, yeah, he pulls like a switchblade. Yeah, he. <laughs> oh, Bill Paxton. Oh, do you know what? <laughs> uh, not to say that we don't like Bill Paxton. No, he's because the no, man he's great. Hatfield and McCoy's, yeah. and he did Big Love, which yeah. are two critically acclaimed series. It, it so. all it all got better for him after uh, a simple plan. That was where he kind of was like, oh, he can be somebody else other than just a douchebag. Yeah. My favorite movie of his is Twister. 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 Yeah, so he wasn't a, you know good. what? Yeah, cuz the simple plan was after Twister. I like him in Twister, but <laughs> Hey Bill, welcome back. I'm not back, which is what he says for like the first 20 minutes yeah. of the movie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Twister is such a good bad movie. <laughs> it, what why are you, what's with this bad because nonsense? Your your opinion is wrong. Your opinion is wrong. <laughs> All right. I love I, Twister. And no, I love I Jaws. Too. That's why Sharknado was like pornography for me. <laughs> I was I, one day I was thinking I was like you know it'd be awesome is if they put Twister and Jaws together but without Helen Hunt and with Tara Reid and the dude from 90210. <laughs> and Done. then it happened and I think I have powers now. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, do you, do you have the precogs now? <laughs> yeah, they're his balls. <laughs> yep, yep. They're there. You, get, you guys can't see this, but he is actually looking at his boobs right now and feeling them. I thought he was going for his balls, quite honestly. Nope, nope. He's going I want to f- know what love is. And he's now. Sorry. Um, wow. This, so this Skype conversation just the, got really awkward. To segue away from that, um, <laughs> one thing I would like to ask is, right, we lost him in 2009, John Hughes, yes. which is very sad. 
Um, they did a really cool tribute. You can YouTube this uh, at the, uh, I believe it was the MTV Movie Awards or some award show where they got the majority of the cast of The Breakfast Club to yeah. come up and accept an, uh, like an honorary award for him. Mm-hmm. But my question to you is, in this day and age of kind of a more indie movie feel or more crass teen comedies. Okay. Where do you think John Hughes would lie? If John Hughes was making if movies If he was still now? making movies, if he was still alive and making movies, do you think he would adapt? No, to- I, well, I think clearly by the last two movies that he wrote, Drillbit Taylor and Made in Manhattan... Well, he yeah, did and he didn't. For it. The last movie he okay. directed was Curly Sue, and that was 1991. So I, he was already done with directing. Yeah. I okay, think, but yeah, so writing he, wise, and he could pump out scripts like no other. I so think. As I wonder he, if he would have gone back to directing. I think as his as he got older, maybe he just wasn't in that same headspace as he was in the 80s. Maybe he just didn't have, or maybe he said that all he all that he wanted to say artistically in that regard. I wonder if he would have gone the way of Judd Apatow and started making movies about adults rather than teenagers. Maybe. Maybe. Like 30-somethings, 40-somethings. Yeah. With the way that people have been trying to bring back things from the 80s. Oh, my God. Can you imagine a studio approaching him and being like, you know what we want to do? We want to do the whole cast of The Breakfast Club showing up at a reunion when they're 40. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. It would be horrible, but a studio might be able to throw enough money at him for him to be like, I'll write it, but I'm not going to direct it. I'm not going to even write it. Edward, D- Edward DeMoss is going to write yeah, it. Well, I mean, they, the, here's the thing. They already sort of have that movie a little, and that's St. Elmo's Fire. That's all the oh, people. Yeah. They all well, went they're to not co- that old. I mean, because, No, but like, they Judd all Apatow went to college, does. and they're now post-grads and dealing with being post-grads. They're going to have the same issues. Isn't that, the reunion movie just Zach and Mary make a porno minus the porno part? Or grown-ups too without the awful part or <laughs> so <laughs> just like or so american just reunion credits. without that well i mean american reunion was kind of funny i never I saw liked it american but reunion. i heard that it was a nice it was a nice throwback to, I, it was good it was way better one. than american wedding american yeah wedding you could you really could have skipped american wedding and just gone into american reunion and, and american fine. pie too i didn't think it was that fine. bad Oh my god, go back and watch it right now. It's like okay. a really cheap sequel. I liked it. There were boobies, I, Dave. <laughs> I saw boobies. There were, there were two times the boobies. There was boobies, there were girls kissing each other while they were painting the house. It was hilarious. You know, the thing is, is David still talks like that. <laughs> no, that's. I'm not saying, Dave, I'm not doing your voice, man. No, I didn't mean that. No, no I, I like boobies. <laughs> I mean, He's like, no, no, you, that was actually a pretty apt impression. <laughs> there was... I'm actually, I was shocked. I, I didn't realize that I had gone to Colorado for five seconds. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I would have to say, I know because Sarah's probably going to be like, I have three favorites. But, <laughs> <laughs> Fuck but, you. <laughs> am so I wrong? What? No. Okay. Not at so all. So, what is your, no, here, I won't say favorite. What is the John Hughes movie that is the most near and dear to your heart? I mean, I think Sarah already answered that question with Ferris Bueller because it provides I have her. a second answer. Of course you do. Um, but Mine's Sean, The Breakfast Club. Okay, yeah, good choice. Mine's definitely The Breakfast Club. I say Ferris Bueller's Day Off and Pretty in Pink. Nice. Yep. I would say... Um, Beethoven's Third. <laughs> yeah, I love <laughs> Charles Grodin. He just didn't, you know, Beethoven, like Beethoven's first and second just were didn't good, yeah. but they just didn't hit home. Actually, it was Beethoven's like fifth third. that I really enjoyed. I uh, love yeah, that direct yeah. DVD. It was great. <laughs> Um, no, one of my favorites has got to be Plain Strains and Automobiles. Yeah. For the emotional impact at the end. And the fact that John Candy's selling earrings that are really shower curtains, just, you can't, yeah. you can't lose with that. 
That was really, yeah, really that funny. reminded me. He had a little flavor of like a younger Willie Loman type in that movie. Yeah. <laughs> that With that those, you look really like spoke Sawyer. to me because, you know, uh, my dad was in sales, sale, selling stuff, not exactly like John Candy, but in sales in general and always, always traveling. So I could see parallels there with my own life. Oh, absolutely. So I think, yeah, I think that's pretty good. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, I pose to you, audience, um, because you know, you're listening and you enjoy. And if this is your first time, as Brian says, hi, welcome. Thank you for joining us. You should call, though, next time before you come. It's rude to just invite yourself. <laughs> that's, Sean, that's a point. I mean, next <laughs> time, I will know to have some cheese and crackers. We had nothing for you, and I feel I was told there, like was, a there would be punch and pie. <laughs> punch and pie. Which, by the way, audience, Sarah insists on having actual punch and pie when we have meetings. I and do. We and we actually and, oblige and, and, her and request. You accommodate. Actually, no joke. I'm not even lying right now. There is a pie in my car. <laughs> oh my god there is an you, hold on hold on we've been recording for almost an hour and a half and you have neglected to say that you have pie <laughs> I do fuck I have, you I have an olive berry pie in my car fuck you <laughs> you and your pie I, well, I just came from a wedding shower and it was left over and not to bring it into the cave for what reason oh, man. because I want to I eat used it to all be, later myself I used to be an underground day old pie dealer <laughs> And that's not a joke. That's not a joke. I was a cashier at the Marie Callender's on Meridian when I was in high school. And they would let us take home a bunch of pies. That They were like, we can't sell these today. We, we, you can take them home. And I would come home with like three Boston cream pies, four apple pies. And I would like dole them out to people or I would sell them to people. How were we not friends then? <laughs> <laughs> Because I don't think you knew Brian at that point. No, I didn't. I didn't. But whatever. Why do I feel like Sean would be like in a very long and like decrepit Lincoln, you know, Lincoln Town car, and he's like pulling up and like it's like, uh, like very much the Uncle Buck car where it explodes. And, and, the sh- like, and whenever the door like slams, the car just bounces for like an hour. And then you just see him go up to like middle schools and high schools and like, hey, hey, you want that Boston? How about a little bit of apple? You yeah. know, it's holiday season. I got a little pecan. I know you what you pecan? like. First, I take it home. I cut the custard with store-bought custard. <laughs> that way I get more profit. Smart. Smart. And, oh, no, no. And then you're like, you're like no, no, no. Yeah, t- tell you what. Tell you what. First slice is on the house. All right? First slice is on me. Can that be the title? First slice is on me. That was like, this is the existential episode. <laughs> Guess what, everybody? <laughs> it's strawberry rhubarb season. <laughs> Get your wallets ready. <laughs> do you have a pager too? <laughs> yeah, I still have a pager. I do. Nice. It's <laughs> good, and I still and I still send pager code where threes are E's and twelves are R's. So you guys probably don't remember that. I'm really dating myself now. <laughs> <laughs> so anytime someone want red rhubarb, you would just be like twelve three, and you're like, oh. He wants the red rhubarb. <laughs> All right. I feel like every drug dealer must be from New York and the Bronx. New York. You okay, can do so kind of a folks. New York Chicago kind of blend. Yeah. Okay. So I'm gonna do the, uh, the the rest of this here in that voice. So folks, if you like the uh, the episode, you like the John Hughes guy, you know that guy with the movies. Then uh, you tell us what your favorite movie was, right? You know how you can get a hold of us. You can go to Twitter. You can uh, yeah. Twitter us over <laughs> at the. <laughs> At no You should go acquire these films. <laughs> yeah. Acquire them. Maybe some definitely... will fall off a truck. <laughs> <laughs> or you could go to our website at neuronomy.com where uh, you could email every single one of us by going to the nerd section. But you know what else you can do at neuronomy.com, folks? We have an air conditioner because of you. We are looking for a roof. 
and we need your help. We have a roof. We need Don't a tell me there's a freaking roof. Okay, <laughs> there's a roof, but we need a ceiling. We need a ceiling. We need a ceiling because all the cold air that's in our nice little nerd cave likes to leak out. So uh, if you would like, any amount will do. Uh, there is a donate by PayPal button on your nerdemy.com. Just go ahead and give that a little click. Little click, 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 and uh, we thank you in advance for your donation. And if you can't donate, that's okay too. We would appreciate even fifty cents if you got it. But if you don't, just drop us a line. As of last episode, no, you guys don't appreciate fifty cents. Did I say that? No, it was the last episode. Brian was like, "Oh yeah, we want fifty cents. We want a dollar." And I was like, "Brian, what?" Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Good lord. Yeah. Well. we'll take any amount. Any amount will do. Because it goes towards the cave. It goes towards the production value. And for those of you that know, I've been on hiatus helping develop our video portion of the uh, of the company. And well, that money will go towards production value. So it is going into the appropriate spots. Let's see, you can also, as you know, get a hold of us via Twitter. Uh, I am at David C. McGuire. I'm at Sarah Ash16. I am at Big Sean Mo. Just don't send him anything prof- like inappropriate. No, no, send him inappropriate things. He likes. That oh too. God, send me inappropriate stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I usually, I actually mark most of the things as spam that aren't offensive. Uh. Right. <laughs> That's why you haven't been responding to important business emails. This is bullshit, guys. You're like, important business to you, uh, <laughs> not porn to me. Is what I call it. And just like, which is why we there's should just no label vagina, every. There's no penis. I'm not seeing. I don't there has see... to be at least double penetration, if not triple. You're like, I don't see any buttholes in this email. I am deleting. <laughs> David, if you send me another email with a subject that says, "I swear there's dick inside and there is no picture of dick," I am going to kill you. <laughs> <laughs> oh. That's a great way to end the episode. You can join us next week. Same nerd time, same nerd channel, nerdonomy.com. Bye. <laughs> Later. And roll credits. Famous movie quotes you should not say during sex. Hey, Howard, there's your Chinaman.